0: This summer, we have been studying the life of Paul, and this what this is, is it's a story of a, of a person who's fully surrendered to God. Paul lived uh, in the first century after Christ and, and uh, was a missionary for him, but, but the crazy thing is, is he didn't start out like that. He started out someone who hated Jesus, hated the church, wanted nothing to do with it, and then had this amazing encounter with the living God, and it changed his life, and he and he. Turned, uh, and, and with the help of God, he, he turned and started following him, and he became a preacher, he became uh, a pastor, he became an author, he was one of the people that God would use to build the church, also to write scripture. And what's amazing to me is that um, we planned this series, of the, the uh, preaching team of, of the church, we planned this series about six months ago. Six, seven months ago is when we were laying out the series for the life of Paul, and we got to this particular Sunday, and on the 16th of July, way back in December, January, we knew that we were going to talk about this topic today. And the topic is, we're going to talk about is the suffering of Paul. Paul's suffering. How did Paul suffer, and how did he get through it? it's the question that we all need to ask ourselves is how do, we, how do we suffer when things go wrong or when things go bad? How do we suffer and then how do we get through it? And so we're gonna be focusing on Paul's letter to the, second, uh, to the Corinthians, it's his second letter. Um, Paul started the church in Corinth and he started it up, put leadership in place and then he left to go start another church. And after he left, the whole place went sideways. Um, they were getting drunk on the communion uh, they, were taking, they were taking bread, the, the people at the front of the line for the communion, they were eating all of it, and then there was none left for the people behind them. So the people came up for communion, they're like, sorry, we're all out, the people in front of you uh, gorged themselves on the bread. Um, one guy was having relations with his stepmom, there was another one, the other people were using their spiritual gifts uh, to show that they were better than others. And Paul's first letter to the Corinthians is correcting those errors, But his second letter to the Corinthians shows the relationship between suffering and the power of God. And the reason why that is, is because some people were opposing Paul's ministry. They came to the city of Corinth and they said, listen, look how much Paul is going through. Look how much he's suffering. God is obviously not with him if he's suffering. So they would say that Paul's suffering was because God was not with him, that he wasn't a true apostle because true apostles don't suffer and that he was too timid to come to Corinth himself. That's why he wrote the letter. And Paul would go on to argue that he's suffering because he's a follower of Jesus, not in spite of. Unfortunately, there's this false belief that even permeates today that if you had enough faith or that you, just, uh, you would be healed or if, you, or if you just believed hard enough, you wouldn't suffer. But that's simply not the case. This flies in the face of Scripture where it talks about the fact that we will suffer. Jesus suffered. The disciples suffered. Christians throughout history have suffered. And we experience suffering even today. And so we're going to be walking through what does it mean to suffer and what does it produce inside of us as we look to the letter of the 2 Corinthians and the central theme of today's message is this, God will not waste your suffering. God will not waste your suffering. We live in a part of the world that has distanced itself from suffering. We've done a lot of great things to alleviate suffering in our lives, but that doesn't make us immune to suffering. And so when hardships happen or, or tragedies happen, we, we, we get disoriented because that's what happens when you suffer. And yet we are inspired by those who have overcome suffering and hardship. But it's not enough that you just experience some kind of suffering. It's what does what gets produced in your soul when you suffer? Because you can go one of two ways. You could you could turn towards the ways of the world, and that will lead you to bitterness, it'll lead you to despair, it'll lead you to spite. Or you could turn to Jesus and and give him your suffering, and it turns to you humility and strength and resolve. How have you suffered, and how did you get through it? So let's take a look at Paul's life and, and God's truth as we look at this, and we're going to make our way backwards through 2 Corinthians. So we're going to start at the end, and we're going to end at the beginning. Um, And I'll show you why in a second here, because we're going to start with his suffering resume. Um, That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verses 24 through 28. If you have a Bible, you can go there. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the rows in front of you, and it's page nine eleven is where we're going to start. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 through 28, where we see the suffering of Paul. This is what he writes to the church. through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from the other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Paul was was giving them the, the list of sufferings, the things that he, the trials that he had gone through. He wanted the church to understand that it's because he's a follower of Jesus that he received these things. And so 40 lashes minus one, that's an interesting one. You could have just said 39, but he went 40 lashes minus one, right? And so in Deuteronomy chapter 25, it talks about punishing uh, people who are uh, wrongdoers, and it says that you can whip them up to 40 times because after 40, it gets excessive. And so there's, so in, in, in Deuteronomy 25, God put a limit as to how much somebody could exercise this because he knew the human heart and he knew that you would have to have restraint on us. And so they would whip him 39 times and Paul would receive this on five different occasions because he was a follower of Jesus. It says three times he was beaten with rods. Now, don't think rods like curtain rods, like hollow aluminum, like think sticks big ones. And he got beaten with them three different times. One time he was stoned, they threw rocks at him and they got, they hit him so many times that they thought he was dead and left him in a ditch. You can read about it in the book of Acts. And the amazing thing about Paul is once he came to, he got up, he dusted himself off. He went back into that very same city and told more people about Jesus. It's unbelievable. He was shipwrecked. He was in constant danger. Travel in those days was difficult. There was rivers, flooding and droughts. There was robbers along the road. There was his own countrymen, the Jews. There was the Gentile. Those were non-Jews that both of them hated Paul and the message of Jesus. He was danger, in danger in the city and in the wilderness and at sea and from false brothers from within. He toiled in hardship through sleepless nights thirst, hunger, cold, exposure, all of those things he experienced. And then he says, and then on top of all of that, on top of all of that, I have this daily weight and anxiety of my care for the churches. He was constantly praying for his churches. He was worried about them. He was concerned for them. The word anxiety here comes from, um, basically the, the definition is care by the way of distraction. Okay, so like he was, he was so consumed mentally with what was going on in the churches that he like was getting distracted. It was so heavy and weighty. I'm sure sometimes people would be like, hey, Paul, what do you have to say? And he's like, I, I don't know. He's like, well, we were talking to you. He's like, oh, I'm sorry I got lost in thought. I was praying for the church at Ephesus. Or, you know, the, the Thessalonians, you know, they, they received such harsh persecution. I'm just really concerned about them Or the church at Corinth, they've, they've got so many things to iron out, I, just, I hope they hold on to Jesus. He had physical sufferings that we can see, but he also had mental anguish and spiritual and emotional weights that were on top of all of him. And critics were saying, since Paul's experiencing all of this, God must not be with him. But Paul said, you're foolish to believe that living a life for Christ doesn't involve suffering. You see, Jesus is a king. And he has a kingdom, and his kingdom is not of this world. And the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of darkness want nothing more than to destroy the kingdom of God. And so suffering is a part of who we are. When we live on this earth, we have sufferings, we have trial. We live in a broken world, marred by sin. The world is so broken that you don't even have to believe in God to understand that the world is broken, right? You can go up to anybody and go, the world's messed up, isn't it? And they go, yeah. And the world is broken, and yet God is at work in the middle of it, in spite of it, turning things that are uh, dark, turning things that are sinful, and he's taking these actions and he's turning them out for the most good. And he's doing that in all of us who follow Jesus. Suffering produces things inside of us that can't be produced any other way. There's just things that happen when we suffer that shape us and mold us that's just not done any other way. We're strengthened through it. We're strengthened through suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Paul would say, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. I gotta tell you, these are are some of the most encouraging verses in the Bible for me. I go here often when when the when when I'm faced with the reality of the darkness that is going on, I go to these verses and I'm encouraged. Why? Because he he recognizes the reality is we have a treasure, but it's in a jar of clay. What's he talking about? He's talking about our our bodies, our, our human flesh. We're a jar of clay. We're easily broken. We're easily chipped, we're easily cracked, we're easily offended, right? We're delicate. We are are mortal, we are broken, we are frail, and there's times when we realize that we aren't as powerful as we thought we were, or we're not as in control as we thought we were. And we are a jar of clay, but we have a treasure that's in us. And so this treasure is the thing that strengthens the jar. And that's why we can be afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. Why? Because of the treasure that's in the jar of clay to show that the power belongs to God and not to us. So what is this treasure? What is this treasure? The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ that dwells inside the heart of a follower of Jesus Christ. And that that power belongs to God, the power to forgive sin, the power to make new, the power to uh, gift us, the power that enables us to get through this. How did you get through it? People will ask, how did you get through it, right? Have you ever asked somebody, like, how did you get through that divorce? How did you get through that church split? How did you get through the loss of your job? How did you get through the death of a loved one? How did you make it? How did you get through it? And so often we'll say, we don't know how we made it through it. But when we, when we realize and we understand and we, we have an awareness, we go, it's because God was the one strengthening me through all of this. That the good news is that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's not just another teacher. He's God. He lived this life perfectly. He sacrificed himself by dying on a cross for sinners in the place of sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. He died in our place. And he rose from the dead to demonstrate the payment of sin was paid in full and that there's eternal life. And he gives eternal life. He's ruling and reigning today and he gives eternal life to all who would put their faith in him. How can we endure suffering? And I know that there's people in here today who are really suffering. How do we endure suffering? Because for the Christian... This life is as close to hell as we're ever going to get. This is as close as we're going to get. It's bad, it's painful, it's hurtful, but this is not all that there is. And there's an eternal life waiting for everyone who would put their faith in Jesus. And not just any kind of life, a life abundant, a life where when you die and you pass through the, and you get to Jesus, he will wipe away all of your tears personally. And he will say, well done. Come share in your master's Happiness. And for eternity, we will have relationships, we'll have friendships, we'll have worship, we'll see God face to face, and there'll be no more pain, and there'll be no more suffering, and there'll be no more shootings, and there'll be no more cancer, and there'll be no more any of that. There'll be no more sin or the effects of sin. And it will be you and God and everyone else who's put their faith in Him as they worship Him and celebrate Him and, and live in peace. Why can we... Endure what is going on, because as Paul would say, these momentary afflictions are light and temporary in comparison to the weight of glory that is found in Jesus Christ for eternity, and that's, we're given over to death so that life is made in someone else. We die to ourselves, we, we give of ourselves so that others can know the good news of Jesus so that they too can have this treasure in their jar of clay. And that's what leads us to be afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed. Are you confused? I am, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You are never alone in your suffering. You're never alone. Struck down, but not destroyed. We will go be with Jesus. He's worth living for. He's worth dying for. And we get to see just the the beautiful work of God, both in us and then through us, as we see this purpose of suffering. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort." who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a lot of use of the word comforted in just a few statements, isn't it? That's a lot. There's so much comfort in this. God comforts us. We're comforted by Christ. We comfort others with the comfort that we receive. and we comfort, Right? Why do you think that's there so many times? Because we need to remember it. We need to remember it. We are comforted. When we're afflicted, we receive the comfort of Christ. And when we're comforted by Christ, we can now go out and be an instrument of God's comfort to other people. And it's a closeness that when we are comforted by God, we are, there's a closeness with God that we get no other way. We know that God um, binds up the brokenhearted and is near to the brokenhearted when we are brokenhearted. We, we understand and experience to know that Jesus is all that we need when Jesus is all that we have. A number of years ago, I went to a conference, and I, I saw a Christian speaker, and his name was Ajith Fernando. He was amazing. He was from the country of Sri Lanka, and um, he was the head of Youth for Christ in the entire country, and he was that during the Civil War in Sri Lanka. Now, the Sri Lankan Civil War wasn't like the American Civil War. We had north and south, like a, a, a line where there was this and this. In, in Sri Lanka, what was happening, it was it was a civil war between two different ethnicities that lived amongst each other. And there was a majority ethnicity and there was a minority ethnicity and they were at war with each other. And Ajith was part of the, of the majority. He wasn't fighting in the Civil War, but ethnically he was part of the majority. And so he would use what he had. He would, he would go to jail cells and he would release his coworkers who were a part of the minority. And he would, he would sit there for days to help them get out of prison and be released. And he talked about all these things in his life. And he talked about going down to the river every morning and seeing the bodies float by every single day as this war raged on and on and on. And then he said something I'll never forget. He said, when I hit rock bottom, I found that the rock was solid. When I hit rock bottom, I found that the rock was solid. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And when we find that, we're comforted by that, and then we take that comfort and we share it with others. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you some things that I've gone through in my life. And this, I have a pastor friend who says it way better than I. It was really cool. He says this way. He goes, I'm going to show you my scars so that you can see that God can heal your wounds. So I'm just going to show you some of my scars today. And the sufferings that we've endured. Um, In my marriage, we've had two miscarriages, and we've had a failed adoption. There's been deaths of friends in my teenage years. I found out yesterday that a childhood friend of mine has died. I've had deep bouts of depression and anxiety. I've experienced betrayal, I have a dad who's battling cancer. Also, interestingly enough, my dad uh, was a police officer. I'm a cop's kid. My dad, uh, in his department when he was sheriff, one of his officers was killed in the line of duty. So these events hit close to home. I've been misunderstood. Scores of other things. I don't share that with you so that you would feel sorry. What I want out of this is I want you to know that if you've tasted any of those things, we can talk and let's pray together. And, by the way, if you've gone through any other thing, I've tasted suffering. And in some ways, it all tastes the same. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. want to talk with you, and let you know that God was near me in the middle of all of those things, and I was comforted by God and his people and his word and his spirit, and now we get to turn around and do the same things. In these moments, I found Christ to be near. And I have found that these sufferings have opened the door to gospel conversations. And the purpose is that we're conformed into the image of Jesus who suffered and comforts others. And so God will not waste your suffering. God will not waste your suffering. I'm not here to minimize anybody's sufferings. I know there's difficulty in people's lives. This isn't just a trivial, like, oh, God will take care of it. This is a God will be with you promise. When I hit rock bottom, I found that the rock was solid. And God will not waste your suffering. He will turn this to good, to bless others, to walk with them in their afflictions. God will not waste your suffering. Let's pray.